Welcome to the 82nd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I'm Dustin here in Toasty Rip City, and I got my man Sage. Just got done with a family reunion with my family, had the day to myself, and I'm just so happy to be home. I feel like I say that every time I see family, but it is oh so true this time. Ugh, yeah. I know you were you were gallivanting all across Canada. How was that? Unreal. Um, it kind of came up on me because I had a couple of, you know, personal travel to, to Chicago and then work travel to Nashville in April and May. And this Canada trip has been planned for a while in June. All of a sudden, Olga's like, Hey, are you ready to go? And I'm like, shit, I can't believe it. It came up so fast and didn't really know what to expect. You know, Olga is the itinerary maker, you know, the shot caller sets everything up and I just kind of, I, I drive, I follow her lead because I know she's going to take us to some amazing places. And it was so just unreal. It like everywhere you're looking 360 degrees, you're surrounded by mountains on lakes, blues, hues that you could only imagine seeing in the tropics. Um, highly recommended visiting the Canadian Rockies. We visited Banff and Jasper national parks. And uh, it was the the 150th um, anniversary of the of Parks Canada, so all of the passes were free. We got those in advance, so um, definitely go out there. We saw 11 bears, so I yeah. thought of you. I thought of you, my friend. I know you're a panda bear guy, but you know we're all bears at heart. So um, <laughs> good to be home, but mm. definitely enjoyed Canada. Was looking forward uh, to the draft. So before we even the- get into the draft, I have to talk about my trip and. We rented this Airbnb house, and they didn't have AC, or they didn't... It was like a record-breakingly hot uh, time in the Bay Area, so it was like 90 degrees, and the house was 99 degrees for two days. The only reason I went to sleep was because my hatred for this house, I kept thinking to myself... When I get home, I'm writing a scathing review about this Airbnb, and I'm going to fuck up their Airbnb ratings. And that's what I chanted the entire time until I went to sleep. So Wait, did they, did they say they had air conditioning? Oh, yes, they the did. They did. Okay. They okay. did. That, that, that's, one, that's a different story if they said they have it versus if you oh, booked indeed it and you knew they, they did. didn't. Oh, indeed they said it. And they also didn't give us access to like the key fob at Airbnb, the Airbnb like key fob. So I was outside in 99 degree weather in Oakland for an hour and a half calling Airbnb asking for the the code because the bitch ass landlord didn't put it in. So I yeah, I'm going to write that scathing review once this podcast is done. I forgot to do it, but yeah, I'm writing that scathing review about that bitch ass house. Will you be writing a scathing review of Neil Wolshay after tonight's draft? Oh, I was the second thing I was most pissed about pissed off about Oh, man. How were you feeling before the draft actually started? Like, we're, we're, I was very optimistic that we were going to hit it out of the park. Is that how I mean, you were feeling? I've been geeked about the draft since I found out we traded Plumlee for Nurkic in, in the, what turned out to be the 20th overall pick. Um, gave us three picks in the draft. 
and you're hearing just rumor after rumor. You know, Porzingis is available. Jimmy Butler's available. Paul George is available. You know, there are always those names this time of year that come out, but it felt like it was fast and furious this year. Um, probably a lot of it has to do with the Golden State Warriors and how dominant they were, and teams are either playing for the future or they're gearing up to go to battle against them and try to make it, um, you know, somewhat of, of a fair fight in the more competitive playoffs. And that really, you know, even if the Blazers weren't involved in some of those rumors, it's just, it's exciting. And, you know, I understood um, Porzingis would have been the guy, but we didn't have what the Knicks wanted. The Knicks were, I think, with what the Knicks were asking, it kind of reverted my thoughts on Porzingis into one of, oh, this guy's a unicorn too. Wow, this dude's like really fucking overrated. Like there's no way I would have offered or accepted some of the the asking prices that, that they were they were asking for. One um, media member said it was a, the equivalent of asking for what Anthony Davis would be available for. And you can only imagine that asking price. Porzingis is nowhere near Anthony Davis. I know he's young, but... I think we're I think we are starting to get a little ahead of ourselves when people were saying, "Why aren't you trading Devin Booker for him?" Devin Booker's a fucking stud. Like he is a similar level player. Like let's not get too far ahead of ourselves with that. So I completely understood that Porzingis was off the table. It was really heartbreaking to see Jimmy Butler go to the the, the Minnesota Timberwolves in division. I thought for a pretty god awful package. You've got Zach Levine who has never really materialized his potential coming out of UCLA as a lottery pick and coming off of an ACL tear. And he's going to get like, he's going to have to get paid too. So they're not like saving money at all. They're going to have to pay Zach Levine for the potential he may or may not have. Chris Dunn, who was a hot, hot draft prospect last year, loved him. Um, a prospect who I, I believe the, the wolves refused to give up in Butler talks last year. Um, people were calling him the next John wall. He really never got into the rotation, played behind Ricky Rubio a lot, could not find a jump shot, and they also acquired the number seven pick. You know, that's that, that's that's pretty low value, but then the Bulls were like, hey, no, yeah, take our 16th pick too. And that that that's pretty tough pill to swallow if you're a Blazer fan, seeing a division rival get an all-star, all-NBA player at a position of need, a guy who's been there before in the playoffs, and he's going to turn the Timberwolves into a playoff team. They have the longest drought of any team uh, in the NBA. They haven't been to the playoffs since they made the Western Conference Finals in 2003-2004. They are a playoff team next year, and they look really good, and Butler's not even 30, and he can... I mean, they still have such a young core. Um, Again, Chicago could have been enamored with Levine, could have been enamored with Dunn, and there's nothing we could have done about it. No pun intended there. However, again, it still felt like, you know, here we go again. We have all these assets. What are we going to do? Um, Dame and CJ are getting into the prime of their careers. We, we, we obviously are not tanking it in. We're not laying it down. We need to go out and get somebody. And then, of course, there's the Paul George talks. Understandably, it could be a one-year rental, but I was thinking about this the other day. It's been 17 years since we made the Western Conference Finals. I full-heartedly agree- believe that if we added Paul George, we are the, at least the second-best team in the Western Conference, easily a Western Conference Finals candidate. I would love another Western Conference Finals run. Like Those things are what memories are made out of. Um, all of the fond Blazer teams we idolized and cherished, 77, 91, 92, 90, 
you know, early 2000s. Those teams all made deep runs. Like, I'm tired of making the first round and getting bounced. Or I'm tired of, you know, having a great series or, you know, whatever has it getting past the Clippers and then just getting trounced in the second round. Like, that does nothing for me. Like, I, I would rather be be in the lottery and get a chance to get one, one of these guys. Um, and I feel like we've, we've got the team. Like, we've got the core. We've got those big three. You know, Nurk, Dame, and CJ. I would gamble on Paul George. Again, I don't know what Neil offered. I don't know what Indiana was looking for. It doesn't look like Indiana is going to get much right now. If, they're, if, if Boston didn't pounce, if the Lakers didn't pounce, um, that top lottery pick's not there. Um, unfortunately, you know, the way things planned out, Portland had to make other moves. They no longer have three picks. They only ended up with two. So you don't know if, if three picks, all non-lottery, plus, you know, a couple of assets was enough. But again, he could be a one-year rental. Um, but, you know, this is coming from, you know, a Blazer fan who, who has been through the rifle friends expiring contract fiasco of, you know, the 09 season. When we, all we were told is like, this is the best trade ship available. You know, $10 million expiring deal, you know, seven years ago. Nothing. Paul Allen at the cost. Kevin Pritchard, you know, infamously said, you know, we're going to let the cake bake. Um, We know how that that all turned out. You know, Olshay went for the fences and got Chris Paul in L.A. after acquiring assets. My only concern is when are we going to do that now? It almost feels like we're not quite to the level of the Celtics and the assets that we have. But... the same things that could be said for, you know, the Blazers or the Celtics could be said to the Blazers. It feels like we're just kind of sitting on them and it's a bit frustrating right now, um, especially with three picks and what everyone was saying was a loaded draft. So, you know, keeping the, all three picks, I, I was completely fine with. Mm, that was a good it's option. Just, yeah. It's just when you see the Butler trade actually finalized and, and come to fruition you sit back as a Blazer fan and say, oh, fuck, we could really be the worst team in the Northwest Division, and we're not a super bad team. It's just our division just got... It's debatable between us and the Nuggets. Loaded. Yeah, and then you've got, you know, depending on what happens with the Jazz and their free agents, you know, they picked up Donovan Mitchell, um, but they did give up Trey Lyles, who I actually really like. So that's... I mean, we're you know, then we're playing in the potential. Also, you've got Russell Westbrook, the potential MVP of the league. We got him in the division as well. This it, has to be the deepest division in the NBA. There's no, there's no more, there's no pushover. Southwest bullshit. Like the Northwest division is the toughest, without a doubt. I mean, just think, Spurs eventually are going to have to crumble. The Dallas Mavericks look pretty bad. Rockets have glaring weaknesses. Memphis is getting older and shittier. In New Orleans, they don't have a guard. They don't have a lead guard. I mean, so the Northwest Division, without a doubt, is the toughest. And it just got tougher with the Jimmy Butler. And then huh, it, 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 it was not a good day to be a Blazers fan. It's it's tough. Again, I, I know that I can't have the expectations that we're going to get Paul George. I, I know it was probably unrealistic, but you get your hopes up because, you know, you've got CJ and Dame like kind of recruiting him on Twitter I mean, we see a superstar who obviously disgruntled, obviously is not going to play for his team this year. And you want to be the team that kind of gets him. And that's what makes it so tough because, you know, we want that Buck Williams trade. We want that Scottie Pippen. We want that piece that's going to take us from playoff 
fodder to real contender out West. And long-term, what Portland did tonight, you know, it's going to take probably three to four years before we really know. Both players are 20 years of age or younger. And, you know, they we're already the youngest team in the league, so it could be a genius move. Did you see, I- did you listen to the ESPN thing? Um, uh, the stream? The ES- got, yes, I did. So they talked about, like, the vets. Who are our vets? Dame and CJ. Yeah, we, we, we need to get that, 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 that missing piece has to be a vet that's been through the, the rigmarole of the, the season and competing in the playoffs. We need to find our David West. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be like a rotational player. It could be a guy like Chris Kamen. Ugh. Well, I'm just saying, a guy like that who, who's been in the league a long time and that can, you know, be there in the practice, be there in the locker room, you know, almost just be there an extra coach on the sidelines. And again, by all means, completely cool with adding three rookies. I'm fine with staying young. I know the Warriors probably aren't going to be touched for a while. But there was just that glimmer of hope that Paul George, you know, with Paul George, I think we take the Warriors to seven. I think we have a chance to beat them. They have no answer for a healthy Nurkic. And then you've got Dame, CJ, and, and Paul George. Like, that gives you so much hope. And for a Blazer fan, like, we have been without hope for so long. You know, even right now, it's we feel pretty middle of the pack. You know, we I, the team I love to watch. I love Dame and CJ. I'll go to bat for them any day of the week. But deep down, I understand what we are. We're a mediocre basketball team. Um Injuries derailed our real last shot with, you know, Lamarcus and Wes and Dame and Nick and Rolo and that crew. But maybe it was the the euphoria of playing the Warriors so tough last year that I was drinking the Kool-Aid extra and I, I thought we were, you know, really closer than what we really were. And that's probably more closer to the truth. We probably are really far away. I just don't want to see us waste Dame and CJ's prime years. So, you know figure out a way to get some players that are going to help them, but without mortgaging the future. Or you run with the squad for two extra years. If it doesn't work, then you might have to completely start over. And I don't think anybody really wants to do that because by all intended purposes, there's not a trans. Hmm. Trying to think of the word. There is not a LeBron. There is not a Tim Duncan. A transcendent player. Transcendent player, yes. You know, everyone thought Markel Fultz was the by far and away the best player in the draft. He's not transcendent. He's going to be a good player. Like, I, I don't know if there's a transcendent player even in this draft. It's an extremely deep draft. But, you know, the guys like Durant, they don't come through every the Westbrooks. Like, they're not there. ADs, even, even Dame. Like, I think Dame is, for Portland, he has been transcendent. So it's tough. Obviously, I'm asking a lot, not working the future, getting better now. I know Paul George is kind of the caveat to that, the kind of the the one off, the the outlier, the the one guy I would mortgage the future for. But I'd probably be feeling a little bit different. I'm going to keep coming back to this. If the Wolves didn't get Jimmy Butler for that package when everyone was saying they fleeced, they fleeced the Chicago Bulls. Absolutely. They just... That man, two superstars got traded for bullshit trades this 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 calendar year. I mean, in the last four months, right? 
I normally say like there's no th- there's no such thing as stupid GMs, but apparently there are. I mean, Jimmy Butler was on a co- like he was on a contract for a few more years. And to add fuel to all of this fire, you have LaMarcus Aldridge wanting out of San Antonio. He still has a couple years left on his contract. I think he has a player option after this season. If you can't make it work with Pop, if we all thought Pop was going to take him to the next level, put him on the block and just go to work. I mean, that that's a huge red flag to me. And then, obviously, you know, you had Jabari Young, former Blazer beat writer with Comcast, now back with San Antonio, you know, putting out that article that the Blazers would welcome a trade. Obviously, they said it would just be matching salaries, so no real value would be coming back. But I was kind of dabbling back and forth on that the whole day leading up to the draft, would I welcome LaMarcus back? And it really came down to, you know, if we could just shed a bunch of shitty contracts, sure, I'll take him back. Did you? <laughs> that is exactly what I said on Twitter. Like, if the, if the Spurs are really willing to take a loss on this trade, sure, we'll take you back, LaMarcus. But when is it to the point where you LaMarcus has played with some superstars, Brandon Roy, Dame Lillard, Kawhi Leonard... When is it really, it's your fault, not their oh, fault? It, it's been him. Yeah, like, like, when is he, it time for everyone to realize, like, this guy might be a bitch to work with? And that's what Jason Quick was reporting, um, saying, you know, he's been kind of a nightmare for franchises to deal with. And, again, any trade with him coming back would have to him be willing to take the fourth option on offense. Because at this point in his career, that's what he's, you know designated to especially important he's not better than dame he's not better than cj and he sure as shit ain't better than nurkic right now in offense mm-hmm. and the way uh, he played in the playoffs this year like who's to say volley doesn't have a better chance of being better exactly so again if you get him for cheap okay i'd still probably boo him for a few games just to let him know that you know we're still not cool but because you're on the team and you wear the, that jersey and i'll cheer for you eventually but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I obviously don't think they're going to get a, a top 10 pick for him. They didn't. I don't think they're going to get really anything of substantial value because all 29 other GMs watched the same playoffs that we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've seen his career. They know who he is. And uh, as a 32-year-old, you know, he's been in the league since 11-year 11 11-year prospect, 11-year veteran, been in the league since 06. Uh, he is who he is. He's yeah. not going to change. So... I think it's going to be tough for the Spurs. And to the scheme that we run, the scheme that we run is really predicated on ball and player movement. He's been a black hole in his career for a long. He's a ball yeah, stopper, he's like man. a black hole ball stopper. Is that really what we'd want? Like it would be nice to have he- him on the second unit, and then he can be as ball stoppy as he wants. But I don't really want to pay max money for a guy. You know, let him run the second unit. Who gives a shit? He can. He might be in the finishing five half the games. I'm good on yeah, that. I mean, LaMarcus and Nurk in the high-low would be pretty nice, but again, it would have to be just us getting rid of shitty contracts, and that's the only I way don't, I do it. I don't would... see the Spurs ever doing that, like taking an L no. that hard. He's a free agent and next would, year, right? I would be grudgingly, he has an option. Oh. And he'll probably and take it. I would it. be grudgingly do that too, because like I was so upset that he left. Don't say you want to be the best blazer ever than Bull. That, that's bullshit. But did you see the the pettiness, the passive aggressiveness of Aldridge unfollowing the Spurs on Twitter? God damn. No, I didn't. But 
It's like, dog, you're I mean, under contract for a year. Whatever. It, it's all on yeah. him, man. That that's the more I think about it, the more I want no part. Yeah, of him we, back. we dodged a pretty big bullet, oh, huge, like huge. Yeah. Dame's a better, like Dame's the actual leader. If if the Marcus stayed, the the development of CJ probably wouldn't like we would have ran it back with the the same squad. Wesley would have struggled the first year. Like we would have taken a step back from the you know the the greatness that happened a few years ago it, it, it was bound to happen so we dodged a huge bullet and here we are bitching about you know trading our two picks for collins zach collins let's yeah let's let's dig into this draft so we, we've talked about what's gone on and kind of what we wanted but the blazers ultimately had three picks going into the draft 15 20 and 26 they made a move uh, it was widely assumed Portland would be active on this draft day. They'd been wanting to get up in the lottery. They targeted Sacramento, who had that New Orleans pick in the in the Boogie Cousins trade, and they had two two lottery picks, so they were willing to move down. Portland packaged 15 and 20 um, up to 10. Now, in any normal draft, I think that's completely fair value. In this draft, I think we overpaid. Absolutely. And that's, that's the only qualm i there's two two qualms i have with this that this just trade one was that we overpaid and two i think we took the wrong player um nothing against collins i think zach collins actually from what i saw in those ncaa tournament games the final four when he actually got playing time for whatever reason mark few decided to 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 bench him um i think he was the first ever mcdonald's all-american to go to gonzaga maybe he knew what he had and wanted to keep him on the, the bench and limit his minutes so he would come back there their other big man uh, karnowski was a center so then obviously he graduates you put collins into the lineup maybe for a year and you're, you're back and rolling you have another shot at the title i don't know what his motives were but whatever reason he had limited minutes um very foul prone sometimes the game could speed up for him but he looked dominant against south carolina in that final four game, I believe he had something like 14 points, 13 boards, six blocks in 23 minutes. So you look at him, you see, you know, a white guy, seven foot tall. Don't compare him to Myers Leonard. That that for one, that is lazy analysis. Um, now, if you want to compare him because he's white and white American bigs, one's the last one that was good. Pan, yeah, pan out well. Okay, you know, I'll, I'll listen to it because. When it happens, it's gonna. I'm not saying it's never gonna happen. Kevin Love is a, a wide and work American-born power forward who was an all-star, um, proved a lot of people wrong. However, for every you know Kevin Love, there are a million C- Cody Zeller, Tyler Zeller, Tyler Hansborough, all of those types. So whether you want to get into that or not, I'll leave it up to you. My other concern is he's from Gonzaga, a Mark Few er, in the Mark Few era. Who have the Zags produced? I mean, you're looking at Dan Dickow. Richie Fromm, Adam Morrison, Ronnie Turioff, Kelly Olynyk. I mean, the list goes on and on. These are great college players playing in a very weak WCC conference, never living up to the draft hype. Absolutely never doing it. John Stockton was the last Gonzaga player to ever do anything from from that from from that school, and that was back in '84. So that that's kind of uh, a moot point because that was over 30 years ago. So. There are a couple schools I'm always le- very, very, 
you know, leery of drafting room. Syracuse, Gonzaga, Kansas recently, honestly, um, but mostly Syracuse and Gonzaga. So that's why I'm a little nervous. Um, but looking at his tape, watching him play, he is fluid. He's a fluid big man. He is not a stiff. He's skilled too. He act- he's got very nice post moves, and he kind of reminds me a little bit of Kevin McHale. And I'm not oh, saying that I was because say Vucevic. Kevin McHale with some of the up and under post moves. Brad Doherty with kind of the hook shot and the ability to stretch the floor a little bit, but he's got a little more range. Obviously, he's not there. He's a young kid. He's 19 years old. Hasn't got a ton of minutes. Um, in the comparison to Myers, we have seen that similar thing. Myers was the sixth man at Illinois as well. Was known as a shooter as well. Um, had upside as well. So, but did Myers old- have decent footwork and stuff like that? Myers is crazy athletic. Well, that I mean, there's a difference between like. No, Myers never had post moves. Myers was always like a pick and pop threat. So what Collins has that Myers doesn't, he's got the inside game. He has really got refined post moves down low. Um, Another concern is, are we taking him to play center or are we taking him to play power forward? How can he coexist with, with Nurkic? So not only did we overpay, did we overpay for a bench player? Now, I'm fine if they thought he was best player available, but don't overpay for a guy that's not going to get more than 24 minutes of run. Like if, if you really think this kid's going to help us, he needs to play. So that's the big thing. Can he play with Nurkic? I mean, we, we have spoke on this. We did need a big who can play down low once Nurk goes in for his rest or if he ever has foul trouble or God forbid, knock on wood, he gets injured. So I think he can play the five. My, my question is one, can he coexist with Nurk? Because As we found out, Jokic and Nurk did not work. Is his outside game good enough to play that stretch four? And is that really where he'll thrive? Because from the post moves I've seen, that looks to be kind of his his forte, like his bread and butter. Like though you don't want him to start steering out too far from the perimeter so early in his career, because if you can score down low, that's always going to be a better opportunity. I think the new trend in the NBA is getting offensively skilled bigs to play the third, to be the third big. Because that's what I think he's going to be starting out. He's obviously skilled. He was the sixth man in Gonzaga. I think that what he's going to do is that role where in the second unit, he's just going to go to work. I think that's what, that's what Neil and the brain trust of the Blazers had in mind when they picked him up. I know it's kind of shitty to trade up and pick him at 10 but like i think that's the the role i see is that of course it would be nice to have a guy who starts but he and noah are both young they're gonna push each other in practice and i think for this year at least that noah's gonna be the starter and then when noah takes that rest or when nurk take that rest zach's going in and he's gonna go put 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 in some work in the post and you know, run some pick and pop. You know, and a couple of things to note about Collins. Apparently, from what I've read, he's been Olshay's guy all along. Like, they saw him play and really thought they would be able to take him at 15 before he started getting those minutes in the tournament. Obviously, he, he really boomed and he really shot off the charts. So that forced their hand there. Um, Jay Billis on ESPN with Scott Van Pelt just now also believes... Zach Collins is going to be a star. 
So, you know, Bilbo's is a guy who watches a lot of way college more than basketball. You and I. Way more. So that's a little reassuring. And, you know, although my gut says he's going to be a little bit of a bust, my head says trust Neil, especially when it comes to the draft. So I am taking a wait-and-see approach. My one qualm was that we overpaid um, – Maybe that's just what the asking price was, but from my it, point of view, I mean, it if he, felt if like he's, fifteen and twenty was a bit high. If he's our guy, I don't really care about overpaying. If he is our guy, if he ends up being our guy, in the footnotes, fifteen and twenty really doesn't mean shit. If he produces and becomes that that missing piece, that for that big, that is skilled in a multitude of ways that can tr- contribute in a lot of different ways. It, I mean, it does not matter that we gave fifteen and twenty. So if he is our guy, my, that's cool. Um, my other qualm was that we didn't take the right guy. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I just... We should have taken Malik Monk. Uh, this had vibes of, of Paul Pierce dropping in the 98 draft, of Justice Winslow dropping a couple years ago, just un, just for whatever reason. This guy is a natural-born scorer. Mm-hmm. And I know you're saying right now, Dustin, hey, we already have Dame and CJ. Why do we need another undersized guard? What happens when they go on to the bench, though? Exa- Here's why. One, bench scoring. Where where has it been? We know Shabazz can um, initiate the offense. Alan Kravis, two hit or miss. <laughs> Heaven Turner, you don't know what you're going to get from him on a nightly basis. And we have absolutely zero front court scoring. So, one, we need... Got- points off the bench high variance players that's what we have on the bench sometimes they're hot as and hell this, this guy is i think he's is he's not going to be the best player from this draft mm. but i think he has the lowest bust potential he i think at his worst he's going to be a monte ellis type yeah lou player. williams type of yeah, yeah. but i think he's going to be better than that like this dude put up 47 against carolina um he has handled like he reminds me so much in his handles of cj and that's where this other point comes is say Portland gets two, three years down the road and they're kind of still stuck in the same position. If Monk develops to what you think he is, one, you can either move him on his rookie deal or two, you could move CJ and have Monk come right in and play the two. What have we learned in all of these trades? Portland doesn't have enough assets. You know, everyone wants CJ McCollum and obviously we're not willing to part with him. But if you have got a backup of, of his, you know, mm. caliber, that makes it so much easier. So think of if you really think of it the future, I think Malik Monk was the guy, and I think he's going to prove a lot of teams wrong. And I fucking love that fit for him and Charlotte. Yeah, it definitely That's going to be. I mean, he he might win Rookie of the Year. Um, he, Kemba, Nick Batum, oh, like that. That is the steal of the draft right there. So. I give the Collins pick C plus B minus. Uh, I mean, there's not like I didn't watch him enough to have like a real grasp on what he is, but like from the clips and the stuff that I've seen, he can, he, he, he can score. Uh, B. I didn't. I was not a fan of it. So whatever it, eh, is that's the grade I get. That's a C. That's a C. Yeah, that's a C. Eh, meh. C is middle of the road. C is average. I mean, I know C's that people degrees. that I respect really love him, but I didn't see him enough, so I can't give a legit "this guy's gonna be a star" type of thing. It's maybe 
that's that's why it's so tough it's like just so much uncertainty like i had no real opinion on this guy like i had opinions on so many Mm -hmm. players but for collins i was like i don't know like he to me is very high bust potential but he also has a really high star potential and and that's that's risky but let's look at what the kings did with the 15 and 20 pick at the 20th picks, they took Justin Jackson from North Carolina at 15 and Harry Giles, a guy linked to Portland um, at 20. I am not at all mad that they took Justin Jackson. I really wanted no part of him. Uh, he was a very, we talk about high variance. He looked like a top 10 prospect against the Ducks in the final four. He completely disappeared against the Zags. Um, just a pretty inconsistent player. I'm not super upset about losing out on him and Giles again I high risk man I mean the highest of risk I would have been okay taking him at 26 but um there's no way he was going to last there so you know hats off to the Kings if they're a franchise like Portland who's a small market who's looking to to finally make a splash in the playoffs you kind of have to take a risk like that sometimes do you like the De'Aaron Fox one because I do I mean, yeah, yeah, everyone knew they needed yeah. a point guard. This is a point guard heavy draft, so it would have been really hard for them to fuck up that pick. I like the way he talked to the media made me really, really like him. I mean, I loved him as a player, but like the maturity level to sound so eloquent in an interview and I don't know, I just really like the way he the the cut of his jib I think is the, the correct term, but I mean, I just I just liked a couple of other prospects at 15 and 20. I thought they would have been smarter um, taking OG for, from Indiana. He was there at 20. He would have given them the defense on the wing they needed. Um, Lord knows they're going to need it with Buddy Hill playing the two Are guard. you saying that Tyreek Evans couldn't play small forward defense? Good, couldn't play good am, defense? I'm 100% <laughs> saying that. Fuck, um, oh, And then I also think that they missed out on a lot of good bigs. Um, Justin Patton being being one of them. I think he's going to be I think he'd be nice... perfect for the Kings. He's more he polished. He's polished. They, they, they need someone who can give them buckets down low. Um, so I'm not really sure what they did with those picks with Jackson and Giles. I can at least understand the Giles pick because of the upside. Um, defensively, they're going to get exposed. Beasted. I mean, with Fox has great potential, but again, he's a rookie. Buddy Hill, we know, can't play D. You're going to trot out Justin Jackson there. Um, they're going to suck for a long time. I mean, they do have Scal, but again, he's skinny. He is a ways away, and... Collie Stein, that's about all he does is weak side shot block. So and they're gonna need lobs. somebody to let's give them that. Yeah, they're they're gonna need they're gonna need someone out there on the perimeter to make it easy so they're not giving up so many fouls. Um so that was the trade. Uh not really surprising that Portland moved up. But they got the guy they wanted, and you know, we'll find out in summer league what, what this kind of what this kid is made of. Uh again, don't, don't be too, too harsh much. on him. Exactly. He's he's young. He's gonna like, suck for a while. And it's he's not it gonna, is expected that he's going to suck ass for a while at playing basketball. Yeah. I mean look. if you think he's gonna walk right in and be the starting power forward of the Trailblazers and put up fifteen and ten a night, you are so <laughs> mistaken. There's not that you many Damian to- Lillards in the world where you, as a rookie you could take the horns of a team and play well. Like, ugh. These kids are young. They're nineteen years old. What were you like when you were nineteen? I was a super shy kid that wasn't out of a shell yet. 
just be patient with these these prospects. And at 26, <sighs> Portland took another power forward center and produced Caleb Swanigan, um, 20 years old. And he's only 6'9", but he's a load. He's about 250, 7'3", wingspan, and he was the Big Ten player of the year. He shed a lot of weight growing yep. up. Uh, I believe like over 100 pounds. He was homeless, so he's battled that. Um, read up on this dude. He's a, he's a really good, you know, story in terms of perseverance 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 sorry it's late yeah it's late guys <laughs> you know, a lot of perseverance when i'm pronouncing um, words better than you you know it's a fucking bad night for the the, the holy backward crew <laughs> he's he's gonna work his ass off and that's what you love about him my again i think we reached on him uh 26 26 felt pretty high um, I think he's going to be a good player. I know people oh, say he, he's he's too small, he's not athletic enough. Well, it's the same thing they said about Paul Millsap and Zach Randolph. So I think he's a little bit of a throwback. Defensively, he's got some work to do. But I like guys who you can throw it down low and get buckets. So I think he's going to be a good player. If you listen to part two of our draft preview, he was one of my second-round steals that I wanted. However, he just wasn't a second round steal. We took him at 26. So, um, I'm not even like I think as a human being, he is someone that kids who have dealt with weight problems can look up to because as a human being, he is a very good player, a very good person, and I give him all the respect in the world for losing a hundred pounds, fighting through all the adversity of being an obese player and all of that stuff i give him all the credit in the world but when i watch him in at purdue i've realized that he really needs the ball a lot to be a an efficient player and with this team you're just not going to get that when i when i look at let's just be honest second round talents if they have to have the ball to be a good player i just don't even bother because with the Blazers, they have so much talent that they're not going to give it to a second-round player. If they gave him the ball, he'd be okay. But defensively, he is going to get killed on the pick-and-rolls. Pick-and-roll defense is going to be the reason he does not get that much time. I think with bigs in this generation of basketball, if you can't get on the floor, you really can't show us what you can do offensively when you just get burned so bad defensively. And... That's why I didn't like the pick. There were players that I thought could at least get on the floor because they wouldn't be a liability defensively. We should have taken Jordan fucking Bell. We should have taken so Wesley Owundu. He would get on the floor. like Defensively, so I mean for bigs, you have to be able to be on the floor playing defense. That's why I didn't like the guy from Indiana. Like You just have to. For bigs, if you're a liability on defense... You're not gonna be on the floor. Look at like, I mean, look at all of the players the Pelicans have. If they can't play defense, they don't be on the floor, and they paid them eighty million dollars. Like that's a humongous thing in this generation. You have to be able to be fluid and quick. Like I, I if I had to do my player comp for Caleb Swanigan, it's Jaleel Okafor, except less polished and probably worse on defense. And I, I if he listens to this and gets inspired. I've done my job as a broadcaster, but I, I have I have my concerns about that pick. 
We should have taken Jordan Bell. <laughs> or my boyfriend, my Jesley Wesley Wondu. I mean, but... And to add salt to the wound, the Golden State Warriors picked him up, and he now gets to learn from probably the defensive player of the year in, in Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't already a defensive specialist, this guy is going to be a nightmare, and we allowed the best team in the league to get even better. What do the Blazers... Is Swanigan a better player than Jordan Bell? Absolutely. No. Oh. But what do we need? Specialists. We do not have an elite shot blocker or rebounder on this team. Mm-hmm. Nurkic is getting there, but it's never going to be his forte. He's always going to be an I offensive mean, he's, beast. He's, he's so powerfully built, he can't do those Jordan Athletic. Bell block shots, you know? like I, I cannot believe we let him pass by. I cannot believe that after the second round started, Neil O'Shea was already giving a well, press conference I, like he was I done. I don't think they have the money to buy one. No, no, no. Don't need the money. Trade future second round picks. Well, trade, okay, fair enough. You can trade second round picks. Trade other players. Like, fuck, this, this draft is so deep that Jonathan Motley and PJ Dozier did not get drafted. Mm-hmm. These guys would have been first round picks in almost any other year. The amount of first round talent available in the second round is just staggering. Mm-hmm. And for us just to... Oh, throw in the towel. We're done. That was unacceptable. Um, we have so many guys who we could probably cut, and I would be okay with. Let's make room. You really want to get better long term. This was the draft to do it, Sage. I I didn't watch the Neil O'Shea interviews, but what was he saying about like we're looking into the future with these picks? Did you hear about I mean, that shit? I was just reading what you heard on Twitter. Twitter. You know, we're looking at the next twelve to fifteen years with these guys. Um, we thought we got the two toughest guys in the draft. Collins is who we really targeted all along. You know, whatever the GM is going to say. Speak. GM speak. All right. Um, I mean, they're not going to blow our minds with, you know, behind the scenes takes. I just like prospects better than Caleb at 26. And I was willing yeah, to reach if, for if, the prospects we, I personally liked more. And if we purchased a second round pick and took Caleb... Totally fine with that. I would have been much I, cooler with that then. I just think that we passed on. I think who's going to be the, the if Malik Monk is the steal of the first round, I think Jordan Bell is the steal of the draft. And I'm trying to say that without any Oregon Duck goggles on. I we everyone saw how he played in the Final Four. I don't even Everyone's have like, he, he he won that game against Kansas, a, a, a superior team, the number one team in the nation. He's the all-time leading shot blocker at Oregon. He did that after his freshman year. And this is a kid that continuously got better and better and better and wants to do those things. He doesn't care about scoring. He doesn't care about the basketball. He wants to be Tristan Thompson. I mean, I don't I don't give a fuck about Oregon, and I still thought he was going to be... My, my, my second-round list for my personal board was White from Colorado, Wandu, and Bell. That was the three guys I wanted. I mean, White went to the Spurs, and Wandu went to the... Magic. I I think it's a. I think it was a bad move by the twenty nine other teams in the NBA to let Jordan Bell go. And I mean, I know that they got a lot of the four million teams are allowed to spend on trades, so I get why Houston or the Bulls traded him. But that's just another prospect. Chicago. Okay, traded Chicago him. traded him. Yeah, that's just another player that's going to help Golden State kick everybody's ass. Man, I've been, I I started out being the optimist, and then once I started talking about Caleb, whew, pessimist sage came out. Again, I like the kid. I want him to succeed. I think he will be a, a 
I think he'll, he'll find a home in the NBA. I think he'll be fine with the Blazers. I just I didn't like the value there. There was a better player on the board. Um, there was a guy, and I know he dropped because of apparently his knees, but Ek um, and Bogu, who you talked about at talked, twenty. 15. Oh, I thought that's they, they 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 mocked him at 15 a couple just even a couple of weeks ago and he went 47. I mean this is a, a a dude that went 47. I just can't believe I think that's kind of what hurts the most is we didn't find a way to get another player. Like I'm fine packaging picks, you you get your guy. I'm fine reaching for Caleb if you're going to get that other guy. Like if you really want but you have to, this draft is just too loaded just to come away with two guys. And I know we're the youngest team, but there are players on this roster how, you can just say, you know. How psyched would you have been you, for uh, Semi or Wesley? Because we need that consistent third. If we had Semi from SMU, how psyched would we be on this podcast? I would have still shot on Caleb, but I would have been so happy for a, a D and three small forward. I mean, I would have been psyched if we signed Jonathan Motley or PJ Dozier to a summer league contract. I, I don't know how in any world... Motley goes undrafted, and I I I can't fathom that 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 is an insane value that he went undrafted. You're gonna look back; he's gonna be a Wesley Matthews type of guy who's gonna be like, oh, he was undrafted. Um, I just goes to show you how how incredibly how incredibly deep this draft was. Sage, what who you know you can include the Blazers in this or not, but who were your your draft winners and your draft losers? Hmm. I think the Kings and the Celtics. I think the Celtics were a winner. I really like uh what's his face? No, ooh. Sammy Ojale and then I think they got the best small forward in the draft in uh Jason Tatum. Really? Yeah. Ooh, Celtics are a huge loser really? for me. They trading down from one, okay, fine. You picked up a second asset, you got your guy in Tatum. If Jimmy Butler was available for well, that package... Well, we don't know if that trade was, you know... The three... The, the Bulls said that was the best package they received. The three pick alone trumps that. You Give them three and give them Jalen Brown. Fuck. Jimmy Butler's not getting old anytime soon. Um, I would be kind of pulling my hair out right now if I was a Boston fan. Because Jason Tatum, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. But... Sooner or later, you have all these assets. When are you going to strike? I mean, the, when is the last time you have had three all-NBA type of players available at one time? And again, we're not talking about just going after Paul George because he's obviously a one-year rental. And Porzingis, the asking price is pretty high. But Butler was out there. He was attainable. And they had assets to make it happen. So if I'm Boston, if I'm a Boston fan, you know, you give a lot of credit to Danny Ainge. He orchestrated that that big three to get them the title in 2008. He orchestrated that fleecing of Brooklyn to give them these assets, but you have to finally push cash in your chips. Mm -hmm. Like you can't just keep hoarding poker chips and think you have a bunch of money. You don't get the money until you actually cash them in. Who also, you said the Kings, who, who's your losers then? Us. Oh, you think of 30 teams that we were the losers. I didn't like Caleb at all. Um, I'm trying to see. Uh, I think what was curious to me that was Bam going so high in the... He was a lottery pick. That was curious to me, but 
I like him as a player. Who are the winners and losers in your mind? I mean, the first winner has to be the Charlotte Hornets. They get Dwight Howard on the cheap um, in, the, in that trade. They they even shed salary, mm-hmm. trading away the other Plumley. They pick up, I think, a top five, top six talent in Malik Monk, who's going to fit like a absolute glove next to Kemba and Nick Batum and finally gives them some offensive firepower. So I love what they did there. The Mavericks had one pick. They made it count. <laughs> they made it count. They got Dennis Smith Jr., who I know he played at NC State. Know he's coming off of Nacy Altair two years ago. Um, had inconsistent play. That was my man earlier in the year and continued to be. I think that's a, I think that's a, a product of the system, of the environment he was in. Rick Carlisle is one of the greatest coaches of all time. I think he's going to be the best point guard from this draft. Are we including Fultz as a point? Yes, he is going to be better than Markel Fultz. I don't know about that one, but I would say top two easy. And to get him at nine, just standing pat. Absolutely love what Dallas did. Dallas needs to finally embrace the youth movement and my my last winner obviously the minnesota timberwolves they they had assets they they cashed them in they're going to be a force like they might i don't know what their ceiling is right now it's going to take a lot of development from from wiggins and getting more from the point guard position and they have to find a shooter they have to find but you got tibbs you got wiggins Rubio, Towns, Zhang, and now you have Jimmy Butler, that veteran all-star type of presence. I mean, they're, they're going to be a force to be messed with. Um, they're going to be tough. So those, those are my winners. My losers, the Knicks. Um, not just because of who they took, but you look at the, the circus, the hoopla, the, the show that's been going on for the last, what, 72 hours? Longer than that. You go back to the X. Ex- Exit interviews, maybe before that, you got Derrick Rose missing game, being going MIA. Um, Phil Jackson publicly calling out Carmelo Anthony and you know Porzingis, and then reportedly falling asleep in workouts. I mean, it just nobody wants to play there. Nobody wants to play in the triangle. Um, that franchise might be the biggest mess uh, of any right now, and that's saying a lot considering Brooklyn and Sacramento are, mm-hmm. are still currently in the NBA. Um. I'd have to say Chicago. I mean, if you're going to call Minnesota winner, I've got to call Chicago loser. They got my favorite prospect in the draft in Lowry Markkinen, so that is a plus. But I don't see him playing alongside Bobby Portis. I essentially see them as very similar, so mm-hmm. they're going to have to figure out what to do there. I'm all for taking best player available, but they're still going to have to figure that out. Um, I don't love Levine. I don't think he's going to amount to very much. And Chris Dunn's really going to have to turn it on because I didn't see anything in his rookie year that made him the hot prospect that he was coming out of, you know, Providence. He looked real good, especially I think he led them uh, deep into the Big East tournament um, and had a pretty good NCAA tournament, and he really rose up those draft boards. So he's going to have to play well for me to change my mind later on this draft. But for now, um, it's Chicago. I think for Dunn, like I loved him so much coming out of Providence, but I'm willing to take that that year of just I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, which I'm not willing to give Zach Levine, just because 
what I saw on tape and what I mean, he didn't really have the royal jelly that young prospects need to, you know, develop. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but what were a couple sneaky moves that you liked? Uh the Spurs getting my guy uh Derek White was one. And then uh uh the Jazz getting Goss from Gonzaga because I I think that he might be one of the the few Zags to actually amount to something because you look at the the the, the coaching staff that Gonzaga has and it's very good but when you look at in the timeouts who's directing the team it's Goss so the basketball IQ at him it, may, it the Jazz ruined all the fun for me so that them get picking him up is it was a good one. I would say DJ Wilson from Michigan going to Milwaukee. They love length. They just this love guy, length. This guy is the prototypical stretch four. And finally, I mean, you have Giannis kind of running the show, but with Chris Middleton and now DJ Wilson, um, I just love that pick. I think he's I didn't watch be, enough Michigan to give a. So I didn't see a lot of him, but in the when I saw of him against Oregon, you just see the type of player he is. He's long, he's athletic, he can stroke the three. Uh, the new prototype at four, I, I love that pick. And I hate to say it, but the Golden State Warriors, oh, yeah. without a pick in the draft, might have had the best draft, paying money to get Jordan Bell, who is elite defensive potential, going to learn under Draymond Green. And then they also signed Chris Boucher, to one of those two-way contracts mm-hmm. and the Boucher tore his ACL in March. Otherwise, he might have gone higher than any duck in the draft. At least definitely would have been drafted. Another shot blocking specialist. So they they know their weaknesses is inside. They found two guys who maybe not immediately, probably Bell definitely more than Boucher, but but down the road, like if you're ever faced with a tough financial decision, you can maybe let some players ahead of them go because you know you've got these guys stashed. So very savvy by the Golden State Warriors, and it just makes me cringe to say that because they didn't need any more help. Um, but they're kind of the smartest guys in the room right now, and that, that that's even before Kevin Durant because you look at Steph and Clay and you know Draymond and bringing over Iguodala, um, trading for Bogut, even the Harrison Barnes pick wasn't too bad, signing Sean Livingston. I mean, everything they've done yeah, has I mean, kind of really has has worked. Um, I hate giving them credit. I just loathe that team, but they got smart people you know. running the show, man. Yeah, when they do something good, we gotta we gotta call it out. So that that was my those were my winners and losers, kind of our, our sneaky moves. But uh, Sage, my laptop is about to die. It is almost quarter to eleven on this 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 draft day. Um, we'll be back. Mm-hmm. We'll talk summer league, free agency, um, some fun stuff, any moves. Any moves Portland makes because Sage, we now have a log jam up front. Sixteen picks, no, sixteen players for fifteen spots too. Well, the roster expanded to seventeen, I believe. Oh well, then fuck me, I didn't realize that. Do we have two way contracts think, too? Because we don't have a deal. Yeah, because I think we, I think we can send. I'm not sure about that, but I know it opened up to seventeen, so you can have more people down in kind of the minors. But you've got Nurk, Zach Collins, Ed Davis, Myers Leonard, Noah Vonley. Caleb Swanigan, Festus Azili. I know Festus is not coming back, but um, Alfred Camino essentially plays the four. So Portland has some reshaping of the roster to do. I am glad they didn't use the the picks to to shed any salary. So that's one thing Neil Olshay um, 
should get some kudos for, but they're obviously going to be looking to, to shed salary. So it's going to be interesting offseason to see, you know, are we going to have any takers for an Alan Crabb, for a Myers Leonard, for an Evan Turner? Um, because right now, with the salary cap being projected a little, you know, four to five million less than what we thought, it's going to be about 99 million. Mm-hmm. Portland's going to be very, very deep into the luxury tax. So we'll see what Neil has. But Sage, any final thoughts before we sign off? Nope. Uh, check out. Check out our all of our shows. Follow us on Twitter and uh, like and subscribe all of the Sage Digital podcasts. And as always, you know, if you like what you're hearing, give us that five star rating. Leave us a comment on iTunes. Subscribe there. If you're not on iTunes, we we're we're elsewhere. We're we're worldwide basically. Uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, at Holy Backboard PDX. We're also on social. Um, at Holy Backboard on Insta, Facebook, and Twitter. You can catch us anywhere. Um, send us any fan questions, what you want to see the team do this summer, what you're most looking forward to in Summer League. Are you going to check out any games in Vegas? Uh, this would definitely be the year to do so. But it's been an eventful draft night. You know, good vibes only for Rip City and uh, Sage. You may be. This is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's